I'm not saying my faith is in danger. You don't have to worry that I'm trying to quit. But I got sadness, confusion, and anger pushing me around more than I wanna admit. I don't need to do any deconstruction. Yeah, my faith's already down to the studs. You see enough trouble and trauma. Trust me, you're gonna find out what your roof and your walls are made of. But the only way to know if your foundation's gonna hold is when your house falls down. It's a hard, hard life. Nobody is strong enough. It's a hard, hard fight trying to keep your head up. But I won't lose sight. I know that whatever comes, it's a hard, hard life. But nothing's harder than the rock I'm on. Look at me. Well, there you are. And welcome back to Redemption's Table. Here it is. It is the month of March. You've just heard the first part of a brand new song by Ross King, The Rock I'm On. That song has been out now about a month. We will hear the remainder of that song towards the end of today's episode. I encourage you, go check out Ross's other music on whatever platform you happen to listen to music. He has been such a good friend, Ross has, to this table, this podcast, and I'm just grateful to be able to share such wonderful music that needs to be known with you, the listener. And I am really excited to have back with us today, Steph Cherry. Steph, it is so good to see you today. You too, Robert. Thanks for having me back. It's good to have you back. I wanted us to talk a little bit today because both of us, you even more so than me, and you are continually involved in ministries to the homeless. I was for a brief period of time, about 19 months, where I served as chaplain at Brother Brian Mission downtown Birmingham. But your organization, the Boho Table, you are feeding the homeless in several different places. And I just wanted us to get together and just share stories from the homeless or share insights where the homeless, those who live on the streets, have taught you, have taught me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go first, <laughs> unless you want me to go first. Um, I'm going to let you go first. Thanks, Robert. Welcome to the table. Um, well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was at the Boho Table, we have several other organizations that work with us too. So we all come together and kind of converge in different communities. And one of the things we did recently was um, have a memorial for uh, one of our friends that was hit by a train. Her name was Sonia. And you know, we're at this memorial and I'm just hearing the stories from people that were actually there. You know, she got hit by a train and she lived in a tent near a train tracks. And, you know, this is, this is um, one of those things where you put the disclaimer in, like if you're weak stomach, you turn off or skip for a minute and a half. But, you know, they were, they were talking about how, um, it, you know, it carried her body down and it dropped her off like in front of the tents hmm. where people live, you know, and they go out looking for her, whatever she's there. But one of the gentlemen I talked to, he was saying that, you know, they came out and they picked up her body, but her blood was there for days. And they just sat and watched it a couple of days later, just slowly get washed away by the rain. 
And what a sobering thing that was for all of them. Um, just to see how vulnerable all of their lives are. I mean, it could be gone in an instant. But, you know, her mom came to the funeral. Um, and I think it was her grandma. Um, but anyway, you know, we we're all sitting around talking. And one of my, one of the people that works with me, her name is Holly. And she was like, Steph, what about the rest of them? You know, it's it's amazing that this ended up into the paper because they don't get coverage. Nobody cares if you die. They're all like, well, you're a loser. You're a drug addict. Of course, you brought this on yourself, right? Well, no, you know, when you live in the shrubbery, things happen to you. Like, it's just, it's, it's hard life. And so we've come together and we decided to throw a, a citywide memorial for all of the people that have died uh, for every cause. So we're going to advocate all the causes and wear all the colors and have all the resources there available for people like people who are in homelessness typically die of certain things right and you know it's domestic violence it's suicide it's drug abuse it's you know health related a lot of heart disease people eating out of trash cans or they you know they just eat junk or whatever because that's what they're given a lot of time um so we'll be doing that in july just as a way to honor the lives of people that you never heard of, right? And nobody, mm -hmm. has, I mean, a lot of times they end up having to have a government cremation and they end up wherever, and I don't know what they do with them. So just to give them some dignity and their family's dignity and bring attention to the issues that are causing these problems. When do you plan to do the memorial? Um, on July the 30th. Okay. And it will be in. We're going to do this first one in Waco, and then we're probably going to branch out okay. and do some more. Yeah, I thought you may want to dedicate this episode to your homeless friend. And I have a friend as well would like to dedicate this episode to. Mm -hmm. My story concerns one of the men that I had the opportunity to work with when I was there at Brother Brian. His name was Robbie. And I was not his chaplain, but Robbie came into the mission this particular time. And just to explain to folks listening, it's not your typical mission where every night a new group comes in and they get turned out in the morning and they come back at the evening. Brother Brian is set up as a discipleship mission where these men come on board and they go through phases. There's four phases. There's an introductory and then they go through four phases and they're studying and they are doing things to prepare them to return into the workplace after a, a, a series of months. But Robbie was there when I first went on board as one of the chaplains there. And he had been beat up on the street. Um, he had had a head injury where he got pushed down a flight of stairs. And so he was very coherent. He was funny. He was upbeat. He had this just beautiful personality. And I watched him go through the different phases and he had made it all the way to phase four, had a job working as a dishwasher at a downtown restaurant in Birmingham. And what so often happens when you begin to get money in your pocket, Robbie, Robbie relapsed. We knew where he was. He was back living up under the bridge, holding a sign there on the interstate, coming off the interstate. 
and he was back living in that environment. And then all of a sudden he's gone. He'd gone with a friend down from Birmingham. There's a several casinos in Alabama and come to find out he had gone into one of those casinos and lost the rest of his money and was picked up by a policeman right outside the casino and thrown into jail for several days. And then he was in Montgomery, Alabama. Well, I worked in Birmingham. That's north central Alabama. Montgomery's south, about 70 to 80 miles south. That's where I lived in the Montgomery area. And so I'm out one day about a few weeks after that. And I drive by this corner and I look and I see Robbie. Now, Montgomery's not that small a town. It's smaller than Birmingham. But I see him. I had an appointment and I went and kept my appointment, came back and tried to find him and he was nowhere to be found. And I drove around looking for him, could not find him. And then it began to rain and I just felt like, well, I've lost him. But the next day I was like, I prayed to God. I'd ask God, would you help me find him? And so I said, would you just lead me right to him? And I get into Montgomery, the first exit coming into Montgomery. I feel compelled to get off at this exit. And as I'm pulling up on the red light, there is about a block away. There's a, there was a Chevron station and it was in my line of sight and block away. I see him. I see Robbie that quick, got off that exit, found him just boom. There he was. I go, he's surprised to see me because in his mind, I belong in Birmingham, not Montgomery. And I was able to talk him. I said, let me take you back to Birmingham because he didn't know anybody in Montgomery. He was totally separated from the people he knew. And I remember standing there inside the convenience store. And I was like, if you will just leave everything right now and come, you can spend the night at my house and we'll go the next day and get you back connected with someone to give you some help. <laughs> and, you know, he was like, um, he said, can I take my beer with me? And he just purchased a beer. And, I, and at first I was like, uh, no, if you'll just leave it. And then, and then we were trying to arrange. I said, how about I pick you up in the morning? Okay. He picked me up. I said, you're going to be here. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll be here. And, and he, and he was still hanging on that beer. And I just looked at him and it just kind of prompted something in within me said, bring your beer. Let's go. And I took him because I thought if I lose him now yeah. under the circumstances. So anyway, I bring him home. I happen to have. Uh, I live by myself and I happen to have uh, some fixings for some soup or stew or something like that and cornbread and everything. It was already there. And so he and I shared a meal. I gave him a bed. He got a chance to get a fresh shower. And then the next day we went to Birmingham. And he eventually got back in the mission. But from that point on, and he was still struggling on the street. Uh, but he got, did get back into mission, but every time he'd see me, he was just like, I can't believe, you know, he, he was struggling with whether God loved him or not, you know, all the things he had done, whether God loved him or not, not, but something about that story of God, and I'll say it's God had nothing to do with me, but God using me to go find him, bring him back. Mm -hmm. And that God was using that. To, he was connecting because every time he'd bring it up about what I did, I said, no, 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 Robbie, that's the love of God. And he's pursuing you and he's never going to stop chasing you. And it, it made, it seemed to make a profound 
impact on him. And uh, he did get back into mission. Uh, he did get back into different programs. And I received a call right after Valentine's Day from Brian Keene, who is the spiritual director. Brother Brian informed me that uh, Robbie had recently died uh, there at UAB Hospital. And so um, there, there's another example uh, of what you were talking about is someone I've, I, I know God's love made an impact on him and mm -hmm. I, I count myself humbled, blessed to have been his friend and to have been there for a brief period of time, just made an impact on me. Just his life is his persona is his story. Uh, you never saw Robbie in class without one of those fidget spinners. <laughs> I like I need to go buy myself a fidget spinner. That would be a, uh, I love it. it. You know, and I think after all of these things, I'm a I'm the person who's always like, you're a miracle, like to my team, to people, you know, because you just see the face of God using people, like what you're saying. He came and he used you, and you weren't like, when I got up today, I thought, ah, oh, I will be like Christ. But God comes into us. Like, I love Corey Timboom. She says, um, you know, I'm the donkey he rode in on. And <laughs> I always think of that. Every time I go out, I'm the donkey he rode in on. And but like my team, I'm like, this is so beautiful. I know it's a tragic circumstance, but I know that he saw the, she saw the face of Christ and heard about his beauty and glory. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, was not without the most beautiful gift that you can receive here and so I was just moved by that I was like I know she knew how to get home and yeah I kept telling all of them like I'm so amazed that all of y'all are just show up all the time and are just loving people and constantly just pouring out from yourself your pockets your kitchen your you know your trunk, whatever we have, we're like, whatever we can have to get people to the table, you know, bring the beer, whatever. And then we had a lady there. She cracks me up um, at the funeral. And she's like, I bought a beer today just to celebrate. <laughs> I was like, okay, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get in your way or get between you and that. But, you know, I mean, and a, a lot of times, a lot of people look down on that and you're you just like, what's more important to you, right? Do I want you to hear the message or do I want to demand that you act the way that I think that you should? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love it. I love your story, Robert. And all of your little stories that came out of your time there. It was good. Yeah, and when I told him, bring the beer, come on. <laughs> uh, what was funny is... The, the the newest Mission Impossible movie was out at that time, Mission Impossible Fallout. And so I'm a soundtrack nerd, and I was listening to Mission Impossible going into Montgomery because it's like I'm looking for a needle in a haystack here. But yet, I mean, it was just like right off the exit, boom, the thing, I, what I'd prayed for, there he was. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I was just like, thank you. <laughs> Immediate answer. Have there been times, other times, where... You were taught a lesson. If 
from someone you were actually ministering to. Because I, I wonder sometimes if our mentality, we're going to help people and and I hope no one ever enters into the arena of ministry among the homeless with the idea that I'm going to to come from a, a, a position of, I know the answers, I'm superior, to miss an opportunity to be taught back. Am I making sense? Absolutely. I feel like every time is like that. And I, you know, I always tell people like, just shake off. You're going to feel like here, I've given you soup, you know, like, look at what I'm doing for you. But we're not the benevolent benefactors of their lives. You know, they have one of those. It's not yeah. us. Um, And when I go out and serve, people are loving on me, you know, and I, I love my own church, but in all churches growing up, we have these rules. They're all, a lot of them are unspoken, right? But how we interact with people and it's very tidy and we don't talk about certain things and we don't, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't cross those boundaries. Well, when you are on a street ministry, they are, they don't have those. They're all up in your business. And we're going on a level 10 conversation from the get go. Like, here's everything bad that's happened to me. So what's bad happened to you? You know, like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> and so you're sharing all of those things, but those people know me, right? All those people know me and they're like, oh man, this is happening to her. And, you know, like I went through a lot of stuff a couple of years ago with you know, one of my parents trying to shoot me. Then I tried to heal her, fix her life and all of that. And I just shut down. Right. Like I, I, like we were talking about earlier, you have a reserve tank. And when that thing empties, it's just you power down and you're like a big mess on the side of your couch. Like I, I just would sit in my husband's office and be like, it's going to be okay. And, um, but it took, it took a team of people to make that happen. But, you know, people were passing me in church and, you know, you get the pat on the arm or whatever. Homeless people will straight up kiss your face. What is wrong with you? Right? Like, what is wrong with you? Why do you look different? Why are you, oh, my soul, why are you downcast? Right? Like, what is wrong? And they don't leave you alone until you tell them. And they're going to stay there with you. And they'll be like, here, well, I somebody gave me a cake. You want half of it? And I'm like, oh, my God, you, can, you know. <laughs> You're trying to give to me out of your emptiness. You're trying to give to me. And that was probably one, just the life changing experiences is doing life with people who long to have something to be generous with. And when they're given it, they do. And don't get me wrong, just like the real world, there are people that are takers, right? But by and far, People want to be generous. They want to give. They want to be able to li- love others. They want to um, just be able to sow into somebody else to be able to serve people. So that that's probably one of my biggest takeaways. And then also just the sheer amount of fun that you have under a bridge. Like um, people are dancing. We had one guy down there, um, D-Town. We changed the name to Diamond something or another. I forgot. <laughs> anyway. He got arrested a lot. We shared a, we were going to have a birthday party and then he got arrested. So anyway. 
<laughs> but he had like a foosball table down under the bridge. Like he brought anything he could dig out of the trash. He was throwing a party. And so, you know, I've played foosball under bridges. I've had dance parties down there. You know, I mean, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun because it all the rules are gone. Yeah. <laughs> and things you don't do at church. Like I'll tell, I tell my husband, you know, I heard a lot of things at church today, a lot of choice words people use to describe things. And he was like, wow, your church is way more interesting than mine today. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's people say what they mean and how they mean yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and for the record, I, the guys on the street, I've never been kissed by a guy on the street. Just saying. <laughs> okay. But I have been given a hug or two. So, yeah. But it's I've usually. I've proposed to multiple times. I've never had that happen either. So one of the things there at the mission uh, at, in Birmingham, they would open up lunch for those who were in the community or those who were on the street, it was Monday through Friday and they would allow them to come in, have a lunch after listening to a message. So they would go upstairs at noon, listen to the message, come down about 1230. And then they would eat lunch and the guys who lived there had their lunch at noon. And then they were already, most of them already out. But one day I was in line and I waited as I would occasionally do to eat with those who were, on the street. And there was a gentleman, well, I saw this man and come to find out his wife, a couple, and she was in a wheelchair and he was pushing her and they were there for lunch. And so he gets her to the table. Then he goes to stand in line mm -hmm. to get lunch for him and her. I went behind him and he just starts talking to me and he just says, have patience, have faith. He said, those are two things God asks of us. It's really not that hard. <laughs> have patience, have faith. Those are two things God asks of us. It's really not that hard. And of course, I'm just soaking it up. I'm like, okay, I got to remember that. I want to write that write down. down. And write <laughs> it down. Yeah. Uh, I get my lunch and I go over to where he and his wife are eating. And I ask, may I sit with him? And I do. And I I just asked her, she was in a wheelchair, and I said, how long have you been in a wheelchair? And she said, I had a stroke in 1999. Now, this was 2018, 2019. So she said it was the second year of our marriage. And she looked at him with a smile and looked back at me and said, he's been so good to me. Aww. And suddenly his words took traction. Have patience, have faith. It's really not that hard. And I thought, have patience. 19 years worth of pushing a wheelchair type patience. Have faith, no matter what may come for better or worse type faith. Those are the two things God asks of us. It's really not that hard. And then he did this. He paraphrased Romans 8, 28 in a beautiful way. He said, everything good together. And I didn't have anything more to say the rest of the day from that one experience. Just that example, that that 15 minute meal conversation in line, conversation around the table, that 15 minute meal said more than a month's worth of sermons that I could possibly preach. Yeah, you know, I always walked away feeling like 
I received way more than I gave. Mm-hmm. And in in that regard, talking about reserves a moment ago, in that regard, it was an amazing spring of living water that the Lord was using to continually fill my reserves. Because recently when we had the 100th episode a few weeks ago, and I realized when that was launched back in 2019 and all these things that I was doing ministry-wise, and I was like, how in the world did I do all that? And I really, there were a couple of things going on in my life at that particular time that I that I drew deep draughts from mm. uh, wellsprings. And that definitely, working on the streets, having friends on the streets uh, was one of them. That that amazes me that uh, in the giving out, in the pouring out, you're you're having more poured back in. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, it says in scripture that God's close to the brokenhearted. Um, and that that is always my thing. I was like, I, I want to be there too. Because if he's close, if he's close by and I'm there too, you know? Yeah. Wow. Get that that outpouring on you. That nearness sits with you too, because you're sitting there with them. And then, you know, so many times, Robert, you know, we've been the brokenhearted and we're sitting with the people and it just becomes this whole ministry of the spirit that goes beyond words, right? Yeah. It's, It's beyond human comprehension or calculation to understand how you could receive so much in this little space, this little window of time, right? And and like you were saying with the guy who is spoken to you, that's me. Every time I'm out, I'm taking notes on my phone. Like, and it's usually like maybe 10 words, you know, 15 words somebody says, and I'm like, I have to write that down. I have to take that home with me. I cannot forget that thing that you just said to me because it's probably more, meat that I've eaten in a month, you know, yeah. <laughs> just because it's so, um, it's who and where and what that's coming from that gives it meaning. It can't pick up in other spaces. Yeah. And it has, I think it, it gets empowered by God when it leaves their lips. And when you have, when he's already humbled your heart to be there, you get more out of it than the norm. Right. Yeah. And that, like with the people speaking into me, I was going to just throw that out. Um, also, it, it, like with our volunteers, I felt like they are always pouring into me, you know, and, and the people that I work with and, and the people, the people on the streets, they want to just come and help. And they're pouring into me and speaking life into me and just being encouraging and grateful for all the things that we do. And uh, one of the things that we really try to focus on is showing up on holidays for people. Um, And we do that because uh, a lot of homeless people, people with mental illness, they associate holidays with trauma. And so we try to reframe that for them and give them like a happy memory to uh, replace a lot Mm -hmm. of things. Like you can fix it, but you can give somebody else a different memory. And like we were talking about earlier, pre-podcast about your body keeps a score, it remembers bad days. You know, you hold it deep within until you work it out. And it remembers all those Christmases when, you know, it's probably a parent or whatever. Like for some reason, people sabotage a holiday. 
and they want, and when people suffer with mental illness, they often strike out at the people closest to them on those holidays. And you just create this chain of events. So that's one thing we try to really just lavish those days with love so that people can experience that. Um, and we try to do birthdays. We, you know, we're Valentine's. We're, we're going out St. Patty's Day. We'll be out uh, Palm Sunday. You know, we do Easter baskets. We do an Easter egg hunt uh, under the 290 bridge in Austin uh, for like 300 homeless people. It's just fun, right? You can recreate happiness and give people life just sowing seeds back into people because they've picked up all the shame and guilt and fear and you can just love on them. And it's, it's a beautiful, I think. Yeah. My favorite video that I've seen from ministry that y'all have done is the Palm Sunday where the donkey is there. And I may need to come out for that. Just, uh, I can be the donkey that he rides. He rides in on. (laughs) No, y'all he's a a real donkey though. They have two Jesuses, which is what's so fabulous. So we call him Old Testament and, you know, like the the pre, not Old Testament, the the new and then the resurrected Jesus. So like the first one comes in on the donkey and then they have like the Jesus that comes in on a Harley. So like the (laughs) one coming back, you know, and it's hilarious, Robert. Like, I, I mean, it's pretty much like one of the funnest days of my year. Is funnest a word? I don't know. Most no, fun, I think it is. Yeah, I think funner, funnest, funnest, fun, funner, fun. I, I prefer funnest. You were talking about a book earlier. Yes. It is called Rough Sleepers. And I, I read several books by the same author, but it is about uh, homelessness. And there is a doctor, uh, Dr. Jim O'Connell, and he was a Harvard medical doctor and he was asked you know upon a graduation to just do this little internship with a street team for a year and forego like he had a prestigious internship at some top hospital in the United States waiting for him and so he chose to put that off for a year and he went and started a street ministry for he would go out into the streets to try to to serve the homeless that wouldn't come into the hospitals, wouldn't come in, you know, and he developed this huge ministry on the streets, developed an establishment where people could come stay, started an actual clinic, like all of these things that mm-hmm. developed out of his life. And one of the, the things I loved about the book was really the central character was a homeless man named Tony, who was an addict. And but he was always trying to give people a shirt off his back, always trying to serve, always trying to love on people. Like what I said, he when he was given, he was going to give it away, you know, and um, but following his struggle really gives you a bird's eye view into what it's like to live in the life in the mind of someone who struggles with mental illness and drug addiction, you know, which comes by trauma because terrible things happen to people when nobody to teaches them how to deal with it or they tell them the wrong things to do right and um you know and and like I was telling you the abbreviated version of his story was like he had been hurt in a church situation as a young child and uh, denied it his whole life until he was on his deathbed and he started telling people what happened to him at the end of his life which was horrendous and catastrophic and horrific in every way possible. And obviously he'd never gotten the care for it. 
you know, instead he ended up in prison, like most people do, uh, ended up, you know, in rehab facilities, like all, you know, every other thing, but what you actually need. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can see the plight of why people don't get what they need because they are so traumatized. They can't even tell you what they need or what's happened or where they need hope spoken into them or whatever. So it's an excellent book. Uh, Tracy Kidder, he's written several books. Um, Mountains Beyond Mountains is about Haiti, which I loved it. And like I, I read a little, I wrote a little article about it. And I just say, you know, when I was reading his story, you you just fall in love with his people. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent writer. So um, I just wanted to recommend that you read Rough Sleepers. Rough Sleepers. Okay. Tracy Kidder. I want to ask one more question. Just popped in my mind. Short answer. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, do you sense there is a realness for those living on the streets or that the, they are realer? Is that a word? It's realer, okay. you know, realer than those that we meet in society, whether that be in business or church. Yes. I feel like the pretense is usually gone. Um, they're not trying to impress you. A lot of people could care less you know, what you think about them. So they're just saying how they feel, what they need, uh, asking for stuff, um, sharing their stories where most of us hide all of those things. We're taught to hide. I think they operate out a different kind of fear than we do. Um, theirs is more survival based and ours is more protective of ourselves and our, um, our reputation, I guess, or how we appear to others, we think about that more, where they think about that less. Because it's already been pretty well stripped away from them. Yeah. It's been a good conversation. And Yes, I, I love talking to you, Robert. Yeah, well, it, I'm the, and our topic today. For those of you listening, live in the Austin, uh, Waco, San Marcos area, you can become involved with the Boho Table, thebohotable.org. We love it. Yeah, uh, get in touch with Steph and uh, the team that goes out and feeds tacos. And wherever you happen to live, open your eyes. And, and I'm sure your eyes are already open. I didn't mean to imply they weren't. But there are m- ministries. There are ministry opportunities among the homeless, wherever you are. So let God use today's conversation to prompt you in the way that he wants to prompt you to send you out. And I think that would be some good words to send us out. So thanks again, Steph. Thank you, Robert. All right. Till next time. When your house falls down, it's a hard, hard life. Nobody is strong enough. It's a hard, hard fight trying to keep your head up. But I won't lose sight. I know that whatever comes, it's a hard, hard life. But nothing's harder than the rock I'm on. Look at me, you might see a pile of wreckage But underneath me is something strong and true Yeah, I'm on the stone, the builders all rejected But I'm feeling right at home Cause I have been rejected too I honestly didn't know if I was really secure Till trial and tragedy showed up and said, are you sure? And even when I was too tired to hold on to faith The stone took every hit that came at me and it did not break It's a hard, hard life, nobody is strong enough It's a hard, hard fight trying to keep your head up But I won't lose sight, 
I'm on. 